0: Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now prepare your hearts for a message from God's Word. Well, we're going to continue talking about worship this week. And Pastor Kyle talked last week about, you know, what it looks like in worship to respond to God. And it's so important. Music is such a critical part of not just our society, but life and what we do. I mean, we get in the car, we turn on the radio, um, we have songs that we remember from years and years and years ago, from specific moments in our life. So I want to try something with you this morning. I'm going to um, say some song lyrics. I'm not going to sing them, you don't want me doing that, but I'm going to say some song lyrics. I want you to finish them out for me, okay? Y'all ready for this? Let's see if we can do this. All right. We will, we will, okay, that's pretty good. That's a good one. Just trying to loosen it up. I spent a couple of years in this uh, state on this second song, so I wanted to use this. Sweet home, Alabama. Alabama. Because I'm in Texas now, I'm going to use this one. All my exes, <laughs> probably the first time that song's been sang on the stage or talked about. Um, I fell into a burning ring of fire. Cause I still haven't found. That was a little quiet, man. That's you too. It's got serious in here. <laughs> I'll loosen it up right here. Um, eight six seven five. <laughs> I did that with some of y'all's worship team back there, and they're like, "I don't what." <laughs> like, <laughs> so I'm glad. I'm glad we've got some older folks out here. Um, I'll try a newer one for some of the younger people. Uh, hey, I just met you. And this is crazy, but... Guys, I'm proud of you. You just passed the test. I didn't hear one male voice say that song. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Y'all are getting ready for next Sunday. I feel it. That's great. You know, the thing is, songs and worship, all that, it just moves us. It sticks with us. And what we're going to talk about today is what happens when we leave here. Uh, it's so easy in this room to worship God or to make decisions for Christ or for God to do something internally in our life, but for that to be all the farther that, the, that it goes. It's got to be a lifestyle. It's got to be how we walk it out. You know, I was thinking about, uh, as Cal as talked about, the stickers on the back of your car, It doesn't work very well if if you cut somebody off and give them the bird, and then it's like, come to Adventure Church. (laughs) You know, (laughs) woohoo, we're great. (laughs) You know, it's got to be a lifestyle, it has to be something that comes into you and changes you from the inside out, or else all it is is just words. All it is, is just something that we've said has changed us, but hasn't really. See, worship is not an event, but it's a life that we live out before God. It's got to be 24-7, 365 days in the year. We don't get an opportunity to take a day off from our Christian faith. There's so many people in our world that feel like that they can compartmentalize their life, that they can do certain things at certain times, and do certain things in certain places, and it's okay. Let me read to you a scripture verse um, from John chapter 4, you touched a little bit on this last week, and this is Jesus meeting a woman at the well, and here's what uh, this conversation, this is how it went down. Uh, This lady says, sir, you must be a prophet, so tell me, why is it that the Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship. While we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gezrem, where our ancestors worshiped, Jesus replied, Believe in me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very well about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews." But the time is coming, indeed it's now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Let me give you a couple things about what true worship looks like. First thing, true worship is not a building or a location. Jesus, when He was talking to this lady, she said, listen... You don't have to be in Jerusalem or up on this mountain. You don't have to be in this temple. Because what happened was when Jesus came, he tore the veil between what that temple used to be for everyone. You had to go to the temple to experience worship. You don't have to just experience worship in this room. I mean, I love it that we're in a conference center because there's nothing in this room that you're like, man, this is such a spiritual experience. There's stained glass. There's all of this beautiful things that are around, ornate objects. It's, this is a conference room, right? And just as God's Spirit met us here in worship this morning, He goes with us everywhere else. He's in our cars. He's in our homes. He's in the closets that we try to hide from so many people. He's everywhere. He's at your workplace. He's at your gym. He's on your cell phone. Uh, We had something happen um, where our pastor was talking to a group of students, and he said, you know, how much would I have to pay you to leave your phone locked in a safe overnight for one night? And they said, oh, you couldn't pay me enough. Students were like, well, how about $1,000, is what my pastor said. And they said, well... It was locked in a safe, right? And I'd get it. I'd be the only one that looked at it. They said, well, I'm, I may do it for $1,000. Nobody would look at it, right? Yeah, yeah, nobody would look at it. You know, this, this is, can be a secret world, can't it? It's like, hey, God, God can't have my cell phone life. God can't look at what is going on here. This stays right in my pocket." Nobody else's business. You know, lifestyle worship is something that invades everything. It can't just be locked in a room. It can't just be in certain stages or certain areas or certain parts of our life. It has to get into everything. It's not just a location. But it's everywhere. Second thing you got to see is it's not about your status when it comes to life worship. You don't have to be... ...at a certain level in life or to have accomplished a certain amount. You don't have to have a college degree or even a high school degree. You don't have to have a certain status. Because what Jesus said was, you Samaritans... Now Samaritans in the in this time of day, they were kind of like second class citizens. They were half Jews, so they were looked down upon by the Jews. So they, they thought they were second class citizens. And what Jesus was saying here is he said... You know, it doesn't matter your location, and it doesn't matter of your status. You don't have to be something to live a life of worship. You take who you are right now, exactly where you are, and you give all of yourself to Him. The third thing is your own goodness. The lady in this, in this passage that came to Jesus was actually a prostitute. And sometimes we feel like that our past has to continue to walk with us in our present. It's like, ah, it's this big jacket or this weight on our back that says, oh, we can't continue to walk with God. Uh, We can't continue to worship God in certain areas because I've already blown it in these areas. This whole text, this verse is saying, listen, it's not about a location and it's not about your status and it's not about your past or your own goodness. It's about walking with Christ with all that you have right now. So what is true worship? He continues in that verse to say true worship has to have a couple of things. He says if you're going to really worship God, true worshipers are going to worship me in spirit and in truth. Now, let me try to just break this down really quick for you. Here's, Here's the thing about the spirit part. The spirit means that the Holy Spirit has to be involved. He has to be a part of it. Now, it says in in the Scripture that you were dead in your sin and made alive in Christ. Well, that alive part is the Spirit of God living in you. And if the Spirit's not living in you, the things that that He said from the stage can sometimes make no sense. It's almost like, uh, you know, if somebody talks about a subject that you have no idea about, right? My father-in-law, he is uh he's a tree farmer or uh, he buys and sells trees I, I don't i don't really know if i understand it all but a friend of mine asked him now now jay what is that tree right there and he gave this big long technical name for this tree and my, my buddy goes i thought that was just a kind of oak tree he goes it it is we're like Okay, well, what in the world is that six word name that you just gave? He's like, well, that's the technical name. It's like, okay, so it's just an oak tree? Like, yeah, it's just an oak tree. And the thing is, is that for us, that can be exactly what comes off from God's word if we don't have the spirit. Have you ever had an experience where somebody uh, did a really good thing? Let's say. Uh, they helped out somebody, gave them money, or, or helped an organization, or volunteered their time, but you felt their selfishness, that it was all about them. Sometimes our good works, the things that we try to do, if it's absent of God's Spirit, it's selfish and feels very empty. Why? Because when you worship God, you do something for God, it's For the spirit. And the spirit is involved. And it's not for us. Or for you. Or for us as an individual. It's for him. That's where the spirit is involved. So you have to do whatever you do. However you do it. The spirit is involved. So if you remove the spirit. And you have some isolation. You do things on your own. You're doing things outside of the spirit. And that's not worship. So you worship God first in spirit. So the Holy Spirit has to be a part of it. And the second thing has to be the truth of God's word. Now, one thing that scares me to death as a pastor is when somebody comes up and says to me, I really feel that the Spirit wants me to do this. And I'm like, really? Okay. They're like, yeah, I I think that I need to divorce my husband. I'm like, the Spirit told you that? I've heard that before. It's like, No, God's Spirit did not tell you to do that. Um, You know, things in life where somebody is saying that God is telling me to do this. Here's what I say. Does God's Word say that? Because the thing is, is we want to try to live our life according to this mystical side of things that says, oh, this is what we need to do, and this is what has to happen, and this is how, you know, this is what I think, I think I'm going to do this. But does God's word back that up? We can do a lot of things in life on our own, but if God's word is not standing behind us, then we're making up things in our life that fit our own current situations. That's not lifestyle worship. That's not allowing God's word to speak truth. Because see, true worship is a response to true views of who God is and is shaped and guided by those true views of God. Listen, uh, Cain and Abel, the story of Cain and Abel. Here's the the quick story of this. Cain brought an offering to God because he thought that that's what he should bring. Abel brought the offering to God that God had told him to bring. Now, were the two offerings really good? Yes, but Abel brought what God told him. Cain brought what he wanted. Which offering was God pleased with? Abel. And then Cain was all upset at the end because he said, why didn't you accept my offering? Why didn't you accept what I brought? Because God, and God's response was, that's not what I asked for. Some of you in this room, you try to bring what you want to God, and you expect him to be pleased with it, and that's not the case. Listen, uh, we just walked through something at our church, and one of my statements to some of our people in our church is this it's like listen if you're going to give money to this uh and you're going to do it selfishly or you think that we need your money listen give out of what god wants you to give because out of selfish motive it will not bear fruit and so what we encourage people to do was to give out of their hearts not out of what they wanted Or what they were hoping to make themselves look good. And um, we need to protect ourselves from that. We worship God in both spirit and in truth. Uh, Apostle Paul talked about this in Romans chapter 12. And you're going to have some of these verses bounce up here on the screens for you. Um, Romans chapter 12 says this. And so, dear brothers, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because of all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, what is good and pleasing and perfect. Uh, You know, I think about compartmentalizing our life. I kind of take it back a little bit, because before the Industrial Revolution, pretty much everything that we did came out of our homes, right? Um, it, you, most people made their own food, like they planted their own food, they grew their own food, they kept it, they would make their own furniture, they, a lot of people would build their own houses, but then the Industrial Revolution came along. And what happened? Um, the dad would have to go off to work and then come home. And then he would have to go someplace else to buy his furniture. So there began to be these segregated parts in our life where I could go away from work and have my own group of people there and come home and have my own home life. And then as, as we progressed as a culture, the women started going to work. So then that happened with both the men and the women. And then we needed entertainment So then us guys, we took up golfing or working out or whatever it was that we enjoyed. And then TV came along. And so then we would have our entertainment on uh, the web or on the TV or through the computer. And so we've got all of these different places where you go to school for your education, which used to be at home. You go to your workplace For your job and then you come home. And then you go to your other friends for your hobbies. Or for how you live. You know, your fun or your entertainment. And then you go to your internet. And so you've got all of these compartmentalized areas of your life. I think about this. um, That you've got your work. You've got your school. You've got your friends. You've got your working out or your fun stuff. You've got your kids. You've got your church. And there's all these boxes. And the question is is whether or not God is in all of these. Now see, we can keep everything in the work box, right? We can say, well, that's just, that's just what I have to do to earn a living for my family. Matt, you just don't get it. I have got to go to this place as a result of how my boss wants me to. I mean, I've got to go to that strip club to, to help my, my clients. That's where they want to go. That's how I have to keep my job. It's compartmentalized life. Students in, this, in our culture, they live a totally different life when it comes to school. I remember growing up that I would have certain things that I would do in school environments or in the locker room that I would never do in church. Why? Because I didn't take God with me to those environments. I had these compartmentalized sections. And I kept God in my Sunday morning church box. Hey, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to pay my dues. I'm going to talk to the big man. I may raise my hands. I'm going to sing some songs. And I'm going to do my duty for God. And then I'm going to go do my thing. Sunday is his day. And I got the rest of them. I get Monday through Saturday. But God, I'm going to give you that first one. Isn't that what you asked? God, Sabbath. That's the Sabbath day. I'm going to give you that Sunday. And we feel really good. See, God, God's not asking for a portion of us. He's asking for everything. Um that's just my intro, guys. So we're just getting rolling. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, you know, here, here's some things. To live a life of worship, I want to walk through two things with you. Uh, just, just to make this uh, real. Just, just to walk this thing out with you guys. First thing, worshiping God with all you have in all you do. That's, that's what living a life of worship looks like. To worship God with all you have and in all you do. Everything. That there's no hidden area. The thing that's so interesting is, does God see everything? If we really know who God is, we know that he is all and everywhere and in all that we do. So if I turn my back to God, does he see on this side? Yeah? No? I'm like, nope, God, you can't see what's going on right here. I mean, if I, if I hide right here, like, you guys can't see my computer. You guys can't see it, right? You can't, I can, God can. There's nothing hidden from his sight. And when we worship God with all that we have and in all that we do, it goes into everything. And here's what God asks us. Um, In 1 Corinthians 10.31, it says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I love to eat. Anybody else love to eat? Like I, I wake up. I, I know that it doesn't look like it. I've lost a few pounds, but eating is uh, just one of my favorite things of the day. I woke, woke up this morning thinking about what I was going to have for lunch after this because I'm in Columbus. Um, there's a couple of places that I really like that Texarkana small town Texarkana doesn't have actually there's about 500 places that small town Texarkana doesn't have and so I'm thinking about okay I've got one meal today before I hop on the plane what am I going to eat what's my choice going to be I love to eat You know what this verse is saying? Why does does Paul use this every day, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do? Why? Because everybody has to eat and everybody has to drink. And so what he's trying to say is the most common denominator for everyone, all of us, whatever you do, do it all for His glory. I want you to say that with me. Do it all for His glory. So whether you're at home by yourself, or on the road, on business, or at work, or whatever you do, you do it all for his glory. Now, what did Jesus say about this? Mark chapter 12, he says this, the most important commandment of all is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and he's the only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important, Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's break these, this verse down really quick. The first thing, Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Your heart is central to your body. Your heart quits. You know, there's some other organs that if they fail, you can still live. You can't do that with your heart. Your heart is central to you. If your heart quits, your body quits. Uh, you can lose a finger, you'll be okay. I don't want to lose a finger, all right? That wouldn't be good. But if you lose certain things, you can still live, but you can't lose your heart. And when Jesus said this, he was talking about your emotions, your desires, your feelings, all of those things that encompass within your heart, your emotions. And that, that's, that's a lot of us, isn't it? Um, you know... I just think about what this means. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart. When the heart is far from God, worship is in vain. And really it's non-existent. I mean, if if you don't have your heart engaged with God, then what are we really doing? Your heart has to be open in responding to God. You know, in Isaiah 29, verse 13, it says, uh, God was talking to his people, his children, to to the Israelites, and he said this. This people, they draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. What's God saying here? He said, you guys are giving me a lot of lip service. You're saying all the right things but I know your heart. You know, when, when God was looking for a king in the Old Testament to rule his kingdom, he first got this guy named Saul, and, and the whole kingdom of Israel picked him because he was good-looking and tall, and he had all of the man-made qualities that they wanted in a king, but God didn't have his approval on Saul. And so he sent his prophet Samuel to go find the king. And he goes to this family, he says, go to this family and, and check out all the brothers. And so there were a bunch of brothers, and he looks at each brother, and, he, and he's like, oh God, this has got to be the one. He just looks like him. He's tall, he's leader, he's big, he's tough. He's all the things he, that, that you would want in a king. He says, nope, that's not the one. Okay, how about this one, God? Nope, he's not the one either. This one? Nope, not this one. Nope. Went through all this line, he's like, okay, um, okay God, if none of these are... Or him then, why did you bring me here? And he goes to the dad and he says, Hey, do you have any more sons? He said, yeah, I've got one. But he's out in the field. He's just tending to the sheep. He said, well, bring him to me. God brought him. Or the, the father brought him. And, and Samuel looks at him and he said, And God told him, he's the one. And, and you, you, I could just see this. He steps back. He's like, no. God, he's the, guy. He's the shepherd. He stinks. He's small. He's the youngest. There's no way that he's the one. God said, yeah, he's the one. Because, see, God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. And when he looks down at us on a Sunday or a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday or Friday, whatever day it is, he doesn't look down at us and say oh man he's doing all the right things and today is a good day pastor Kyle made it so far no sins today it's not what he looks at what is he looking at he's looking at the heart and what we miss so many times is we look at the outward appearance while God is looking at a heart surrender it says in first Samuel don't judge By his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see the things the way you see them. People judge by the outward, but the Lord looks at the heart. And now David is telling his son, who will take over for him, how to be successful. And here's what he said to his son in 1 1 Chronicles 28. He says, And Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart. And a willing mind, for the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. Well, God looks at the heart. Second thing is our soul. When to think about our soul, um, you got to think about psyche. Like how we're made up. It's, it's the inner workings of us, right? Uh, it's your thoughts. Uh, it, or it's spending time uh, developing the inside of us. Um, I, I don't even know if I understand the Greek word psyche, but that's where it comes from. This word for soul comes from this, it's the spiritual, it's the inside part of us. And God wants us to work on the inside, our soul. The third thing is our mind, mentally. He wants us to work on our thoughts. Um, nobody else can read your thoughts but God. And nobody else knows your thoughts but you. While as God looks at the heart he also knows that our mind is a critical part of us. Nobody knows what you think. Um, what you put in is oftentimes what comes out and says in Philippians 4, 8, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. The fourth one is your strength. You need to honor the Lord and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's not talking about physical strength, but what he is talking about is all that you are physically, how you live, how you walk out this life. Some of you, uh, as we talked about whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, you need to bring the physical side of how you control your body physically. You need to bring that under his submission. You really are glorifying God with the things that you eat and the things that you choose to do. Um, Also, it's talking about even just outward action. Sexual sin, um, what you do with your body physically, says in 1 Corinthians 6, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a price. So honor God. With your body. The last one. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the last one is love your neighbor as yourself. I think this is one of the most difficult ones. Love your neighbor as yourself. Anybody have a neighbor that you don't love? Come on, people. I know there we go. There's an honest guy, one honest guy in the room. I have I have a next door neighbor um, that. He hasn't cut his lawn. What is it? It's June, right? He hasn't cut his lawn yet, um, which means that it, in Texas, it's gotten warmer and a little bit sooner than it has here. So it's about knee high right now, right? And it's pretty typical. He doesn't cut his lawn ever. I don't even know where he is. But one thing he does, he parks, he has a massive Frito-Lay truck that he parks in his driveway. He doesn't work for Frito-Lay. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what he's hauling around in this big, huge truck, but it sits right in his driveway all the time, and it's like, wow. You know, I don't, I, I don't know the guy all that well. I don't like him. <laughs> you know, and I think about this scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, and I'm like, really? Do you know my neighbor, God? God. Right, I think about some things with our neighbors and think maybe the neighborhood that you live in. I, I remember uh, we had a neighbor behind us growing up um, and the neighbor next to us growing up. We didn't really know our neighbors. But if there was trash in our yard that I know didn't come from us, what would happen to that trash? I know what I did with it. I'd be like, oh man, I know they, this next door neighbor over here. I'd just toss it back in their yard, right? Maybe I was just me. Maybe you were great neighbors. You picked it up and went in their yard, picked up all their trash. And no, you didn't do that. Don't act like you did that. The thing is, is that it's hard to love your neighbor. It's more, when you think about this in this context, Jesus didn't say just love your neighbor. He said love your neighbor as yourself. Oh my gosh, how do I do that? He asks you, to care so much about your neighbor that you would give up your own conveniences or even your own responses to that person because you care about them i mean i, I think it's hard enough for us to be unselfish with our own children sometimes let alone with our neighbor christ is asking us that we love our neighbor as ourselves well now now that i've completely deflated you and put all of these expectations on you, said, hey, listen, here's what God expects. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, and love the impossible neighbor as yourself. It's like, okay, thank you. You've just given me a huge load on my back that you'll never be able to live up to. Let's pray. We're done. You know, it's, I, I look, I feel this verse, and I feel so heavy. Like, how do I do this? How do I walk this out? Is this even humanly possible? To not compartmentalize my life? Are you kidding me? H- how, do I, how do I control my thoughts? I can't control my thoughts. I mean, Matt, you said <laughs> that the Greek word for soul is psyche. I need to see a psychologist now after this message. Because I'm like, I don't understand what, how can I possibly do it. You can't. What Christ asks is for us to Surrender. And through our surrender, and through us getting down on our knees and saying, God, I cannot do this on my own. That's what lifestyle worship looks like. It's not us trying to do our good works, to try to make it fit in every one of our environments, to try to to pull it off. Today, I'm going to pull off lifestyle worship, because you can't do it. You know what God said? He said, let me do it. Because when Christ comes in, He renews us. He changes us. It says in, that He renews our minds so that we can walk this thing out. And for those of you that are struggling to, to make this Christian life work, you know where it starts. Surrender. I'm going to skip down, and I don't even know what this verse is in, in the, the notes, but it's a verse that I love. It says, uh, it's, in, it's in Romans 13, 14, if you want to write it down. Romans 13, 14, it says, Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Here's what this means to me. Every morning, I want to think about clothing myself with Jesus. Now you didn't have, you know, some of you thought really hard this morning about what you wanted to put on. I didn't, I was in a suitcase. I just had one shirt and one pair of pants left for the weekend, so this is it. This is what you got. But you think about clothing yourself. Some of the guys are like, yeah, I didn't think about it, it's at the top of my drawer. I just took it and put it on, right? Here's what it is. Every morning, you wake up and you clothe yourself. With Jesus. And you say, God, I surrender all that I know of myself to you. It's, it's not trying to fake it until you make it. It's not saying, I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm going to grind this out. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to become the man that God wants. Hey, that's a good thing. You want to try to give all that you have to Christ and try to do everything that you can. I mean, God wants you to try, but ultimately, if you don't get down on your knees and you raise your hands and say, God, I am surrendering everything. I can't do it in my sinful self, in all that I am. I can't love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I sure can't love my neighbor as myself. You have to do it in me. Clothe yourself. So in the morning, when you wake up, you say, God, I give you all of me so that you can do this work of impossible lifestyle worship in me, through me, because you can do it in me. It says God is working out our salvation with fear and trembling. He says that when we die, he lives in us. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live, I no longer live on my own, but I live through faith in the Son of God. Listen, you and me, we can't do it. We can't pull this off. It's got to be a surrender. Now think about um, this today. Today, he's asking every one of us the same thing. He's not putting this weight on us saying, Man, here you go. Love me with all you got. And if you don't, you can't follow me. What he's saying is, Give me all of you. Give me everything. And I'll give you myself. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I just thank you, Father, for our time today. God, worship. Uh, and living a life for you demands everything. Lord, I pray as we respond to you, God, that you would help work in our hearts and give us the ability (laughs) to do what we can't. Lord, meet us in this place, at this time, at this moment, so that you can work in us. Father, we need your strength. Lord, you promised us that we could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you weren't talking about physical acts. You were talking about the impossible. And today, you want to meet with us to change the impossible in us. Where we're unable to forgive, God, help us to forgive. Where we're unable to control our appetites, help us to control it. Where we're unable to control our thoughts or our eyes or our mind or whatever it is, control it. Father, we give those things to you. Because in surrender is the only way to victory. We love you in Jesus' name.